It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by UFC betting expert, got Mean Gene in the house. You guys can find him on Twitter as well at Mean Gene double zero twenty two. You guys could always get us at thebettingpredators.com and on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, guys, here we go. UFC 281. This one will be at Madison Square Garden in New York City. This one is live on pay-per-view. We have Israel Adesanya against Alex Bajeda. Uh, that will be our headliner fight. Pretty good card there, I think, Gene. The undercard is rather solid. You got Brad Riddell, uh, Meatball Molly, Dominic Reyes. Those are some of the bigger names there on the prelims. Gene and I will go ahead. We'll cover the main card only. And all the prelim stuff, Gene will go ahead and give you guys a couple picks there at the end of the pod. But you can also get his main write-ups and stuff like that uh, over there at thebettingpredators.com. So, Gene, let's go ahead. Let's start it out here with the opening fight here on the main card. Uh, we have Dan Hooker. He's going to go up against Claudio Puyez. Line on this fight, Dan Hooker, minus 170. Uh, somewhere around minus 145, too, I see there on DraftKings. And if you like the dog in Puyez, you guys can go ahead and find him around 140, 125. So I'm going to take odds from FanDuel and DraftKings here for you guys. How you feeling about Hooker and Puyas there, Gene? Yeah, so for this fight, Hooker and Puyas, um, interesting matchmaking. You have Dan Hooker here moving back up to 155. He's a perennial contender at 155, but he was having he wasn't having success, so he dropped down to 145. Felt like you know. Uh, a new start. Maybe he can get into the title contention there. He didn't really have any success success down there either. So he moved back up to 155, and now he's finding a, a hot prospect in Poilus. You know, Poilus comes in. He has back-to-back knee bars. That's what he's known for. He's had like four or five knee bars in his career, which is insane. And, uh, you know, his opponents know that's what he's looking for. Like, legitimately, that's, you know, that's the only move that he's – looking for on the ground and he's still pulling off. So it just goes to show you how, how good he is on, on the mat. Um, but he's going up against Dan Hooker, who he's got good takedown defense. Uh, he's a good striker on the feed as well. And Puelas, you know, as a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner, and we saw this with Mackenzie Dern a few fights ago, if you can't, and we've seen it through her career, actually, if you can't, you can be as good as you want to be on the ground and ripping people's arms off and legs. But if you can't get him down to the ground, then, you know, what what are you doing? And uh, we've seen that with Mackenzie Dern with a lot of her opponents. They realize she she sucks at wrestling. So just do everything you can to stay off the ground, you know, or at least in the grappling realm, just, you know, get away from her. You're good to go. So, and that's the same thing here with Poilus. Like, he's just not a good wrestler. Dan Hooker has good takedown defense, and he's the far superior striker. Poilus, his striking has gotten better. Uh, he, he he throws hard one twos, you know, hard um, leg kicks and things of that nature. But it's it's low volume. There's nothing sustained. And Dan Hooker is just he, he's too seasoned uh, to to be affected by any of Puelas's strikes. So um, ultimately, I got to lean Hooker here. I do think the line is is correct. Um, there's sharps on both both sides. So I'll tell you that this is like one fight on this card where people are really split because they feel like. Dan Hooker's just on a slide. He's at the end of his career. He's taking a lot of brutal knockouts. Um, and they feel like this new hop prospect, Coelis, is going to come in and submit him. But I think if you go skill for skill, I, I just I don't know how Coelis gets Dan Hooker down to the ground. If he does, yes, he wins. And I think there's good value on him. I don't fault anyone taking Coelis. But I just, you know, skill for skill, I, I got to go Dan Hooker here. 
All right, so Gene going to go with Dan Hooker. I'm actually going to be on the opposite side of the other Gene, so we're starting out this podcast uh, the way we did the last. Um, it's tough, man, because I look at Hooker, and I look at his last five fights, and there's four losses in there. Now, look, it was the top tier of, of the division's best fighters out there, all name brand guys, and you know he's gotten, I don't want to say destroyed by them all, but he didn't look good really in any of those fights. I think he was just in over his head. And sometimes I wonder, you know, when you get to see that top talent, you know, if you really start questioning yourself and if you're like, you know what, like I tried once, I tried twice, I tried four times, you know, five times, and it's just these guys are just, you know, a lot better than me. And I wonder where that puts him at mentally. Now, Pulse is going to come in here, you know, coming on, what is he, like a five or a six fight win streak here? You know, last fight against Clay Guida. I mean, it's Guida, right, Gene? It's like, it's not like he was fighting top tier guys, so. That was a big step up for Puelas. And then for Hooker, I feel like this is a step down. So, you know, moving weight divisions, maybe that's a big help for Hooker. But I do worry about him mentally. Now, he did talk about Hooker and his takedown defense. I think that's something that needs to be noted. But I think if Puelas does get him down, he's going to do everything that he can to try to submit Hooker. I I don't like seeing, you know, these guys go up against top tier and just get demolished by all of them. Because I think mentally... You know, it's kind of like uh, in a boxing in a sense. Like when you lose once in boxing, sometimes that's it. Like that's the end of your career really at being like a top, you know, top class fighter. And when you lose like four times in the UFC against the top guys, you know, we see guys just completely fall off. I mean, the heavyweight division was like that, um, you know, recently over like the last year or two where, you know, those guys are in there beating the crap out of each other. And I don't know, maybe it was like a Tiber or somebody like that gene that was you know, facing at least a lot of the top end talent, and he just didn't seem like he was able to go ahead and break through. So I do worry about that, and I think that the UFC, the one thing they're doing now, you know, they're getting these guys who are kind of coming down a little bit, and it was a lot easier for us to pick our spots and say, you know what, this is like the farewell fight. This is the the stepping stone fight for the new guy to go and get over that bigger name. So it makes our job a little bit harder now because I think they're doing it a lot quicker now. I don't know if you agree with that, but that's kind of how I feel with this fight is that, Maybe Hooker looks like it's a bad spot, and I can see why the sharp the, why the sharps are actually on both sides. But maybe it's not actually a bad spot here for Hooker. But I'm going to go ahead. I'll take Paulus. I think that, like you said, the line seems right. I, I could see Hooker. There's no should be no reason why he's not favored. But I just worry about him mentally. So that's where I'm at. I don't know if you agree with that, there, Gene. Though, do you feel like some of these fights, like these farewell stepping stone kind of fights, are getting a little bit harder to pick out of a lineup than they used to because? UFC has gotten so much bigger for me. It's a lot more difficult now than it ever was. What I would say about it is I think the UFC, this, this is what the UFC loves to do. And we're about to get into it with the next fight. I mean, when, when they have an old vet, that's kind of, you know, on his way out, the old, the old dog, they bring in the new, the new lion to take him down and build off of him. So um, for me, this is nothing new. You know, I, I'm, I'm used to this and I, we're seeing it more and more, I think, because, you know, MMA has just evolved and you're seeing these young guys, guys are starting when they're, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old and um, they're catching up really quick. They're, they're super skilled. Whereas before these, these old dogs could hold on for longer and longer and longer. Cause you know, a lot of people weren't getting into mixed martial arts and it was the same, you know, the same group of fighters that just kept fighting each other. These new guys coming up, man, they're, they're super skilled and dangerous. And, you, and you're seeing these quote unquote farewell fights more and more in the UFC. And I mean, we pretty much got two back to back here, you know? So I think this is a perfect transition into the next fight. It is. So we got Frankie Edgar. He's going to end up fighting here next. 
I feel like this one's like like a little bit way overdue there, Gene. That's kind of just how I feel. He's going to fight Chris Gutierrez. Uh, current line in this one right now, Gutierrez is a pretty big favorite here, at least a sizable favorite at like minus 230. You can find some 250s. I did see a 200 out there as well. Frankie Edgar, you guys could play him back, you know, anywhere from like plus 175 or, you know, plus 200. I'll go first on this one, Gene. I, I think that this this could actually be Frankie Edgar's last fight. I don't know. You know, where he goes from here, I think that he's actually been fortunate, Gene, to fight some of the bigger names, especially over, like, his last five or six fights. I don't think he should have been in there with any of those guys. I mean, with Chito Vera, I mean, it wasn't even close. I mean, and, and I think Chris Gutierrez could actually probably put a, a, a similar showing in this fight just because he he's so much bigger, so much stronger, uh, has has plenty of length and everything like that. I don't think this fight's actually all that close. I could see Frankie Edgar getting whacked out here probably within the first two rounds. So there's no way I can get to Edgar. I would actually use Gutierrez probably in a parlay. I think that there's a, a high probability that this could be Frankie Edgar's last fight. There's no way I could bet him. I mean, it would be tough. Even if you gave me 3-1 to one on Frankie Edgar there, Gene, I just don't think I could. I can get to him. I mean, it would have to be like a no-name guy for me to get to. And Chris Gutierrez, I think, is actually quite decent. So it'd be Gutierrez for me. Put him in a parlay. I feel pretty comfortable with that. I actually feel like there actually is a value here on the favorite. I think the line should be a little bit higher. That's where I'm at. I think we're going to see Frank Edgar's last fight. That's just kind of where I'm at with that. I'm not sure if you agree, but that's where I'm going. Yeah, and it's funny the way you, you worded that because it's like, yeah, this is his last fight in the UFC. He's he's announced that. The UFC's pretty much said that as well. Like, this is his last fight. It's in it's in New York. It's in front of his, his home crowd. So, you know, they're, they're giving him a nice farewell fight in that sense. But the funny thing is, Hey, you know, the money comes calling from Bellator or some of these other um, organizations outside of the UFC. Um, you know, who knows, this might not be his last fight in that sense. So I like the way you worded that. Um, so yeah, if UFC wise, this is his last fight, this is his retirement fight. Um, and uh, I'm with you here. I, I I feel like the line is the line's fine. I have no issue with the line. You know Gutierrez, and this is what we just spoke about. You know this is what the UFC does. Gutierrez has won six straight fights. Young guy c- coming up in the division, and they're trying to build, um, build. You know, make a name. He, he's trying to make a name. The UFC is trying to have him make his name off of a a, a Wiley vet and Frankie Edgar, and I think that's what's gonna. I, I do think that that's what's gonna happen here. Um, I think that, uh, you know, Frankie Edgar's just way past his, his prime at this point. We've seen him knocked out viciously in, in, in back-to-back fights. Does he have a path to victory? Yes. You know, Gutierrez, his his um, wrestling, you know, grappling, takedown defense is a little bit questionable. But, I mean, I think it's, it's good enough. I, I don't think it's anything where it's like, hey, he gets taken down and he's staying down. But um, if Frankie Edgar wanted to be relentless and just keep going for the takedowns and wrestle – you know, maybe he squeaks out two, two out of three rounds, especially in New York. But ultimately, Gutierrez—he's just a—he's—he's he's the better striker on the feet at this point in their career. Um, he has nasty leg kicks, vicious, vicious leg kicks. And the key here for me is he has some nice flying knees and like stepping knees, and we've seen that with Frankie Edgar in in his career in the UFC. You know, he he typically he. When he goes for takedowns, the way he ducks his head, it leads him open to knees. And, you know, he's already been knocked out, you know, with a flying knee in his most, uh, yeah, most recent fight. 
and or pardon me, second to most recent fight. And then the last one, again, he was he was looking good against Chito Vera, but you know, he ducked his head and got got knocked out. So um yeah, I got I got Gutierrez here. I have no problem with what you said, putting him in a parlay. I think uh you know, I I think he clearly, you know, runs away with this one. All right, good stuff on that one. So you agree there, Gene. I feel like let me ask you this question there, Gene. Because I was thinking about this, and I'm like, well, what's the path for Frankie Edgar to actually win this fight? Is it just standing in the middle of the octagon trading? Because I don't think that that's that's going to work. I mean, Gutierrez is a tough dude, and I think that that's the one thing we've seen with Frankie over over like the last you know five or six fights is that when he gets in there with a guy that could you know go in there and stand and trade with him, that's a lot stronger than him. It just seems like his chin kind of just gives out a little bit. So I don't know what the path is for him. Like, is it a technical fight? Is it a fight on the ground? Like, what? Like, what? What? What's the path for Frankie to actually squeeze a win out here? Is it just some miracle knockout punch or something like that? Yeah, no, I, I just, I think the only way that he wins is if he just smothers Gutierrez, just keeps relentlessly trying to take him down. If he stands with Gutierrez, I mean, it, it's over with. Um, and we've seen that in this past couple of fights, even the Pedro Munoz fight that he won with a split decision, like he, he should not have won that fight. Go back and watch that fight. I mean, he, he lost the fight. Um, I just, I felt like the judges just kind of gave it to him, but, and it was a split decision. So it just goes to show you, you know, one judge had, had it the other way, but no, I mean, if he tries to stand, we've seen it. Corey Sanhagen hit him with a flying knee in the first round. Marlon Vera hit him with a front kick in the third round. Like he does not want to stand with Gutierrez. Gutierrez is just much tougher at this point in their career much faster that's clear and those leg kicks are just vicious i mean he'll just chop down frankie's leg so the only path for frankie here is if he just tries to relentlessly wrestle him like just take him down and just hold him down and just went around by holding him down i mean that that's that's the only way he can do it and i i just don't see it. i think gutierrez is yes is he not the best wrestler or grappler yeah he isn't but is he is he a fish out of water? No, he's not. I mean, if he gets taken down, like he does a good job of getting back up to his feet. So I, yeah, I just don't see it. I mean, again, the only way is if, if, if Frankie wrestles him, holds him on the ground and the, and the judges, because he's the hometown guy, retirement fight gives him a, a decision victory. But outside of that, I think, I think he gets washed here. All right. Good stuff on that fight. Let's jump up to our next uh, this was probably the most difficult fight for me to actually pick there, Gene. It's going to be Dustin Poirier's going up against Michael Chandler. Poirier right now installed right around a minus, we'll call it 230 favorite. I do see some 200s out there. I do see some 250s out there. I like the dog in Chandler. I don't know if there's going to be a lot of people on him, but that's where I'm going with this fight. Look, I think Poirier is very good. Don't get me wrong. You know, has the power to go ahead and, and knock people out, but... You know, who is he beating? He beat Dan Hooker and Conor McGregor. Like those are his last three wins. I, is that really anything all that impressive? I mean, before that, he got choked out by Khabib, and then he got choked out there by Oliveira. So I don't know, um, you know, where the real highlight reel is outside of there was a lot of spotlight on the Conor McGregor stuff. And look again, I'm I'm not saying that Poirier isn't you know top quality, but. I do worry stepping in there with a guy like Chandler um, that he can get caught and get his head knocked off because Chandler's fought, you know, the the who's who as well. You know, he also beat Dan Hooker, you know, hung in there with Oliveira, hung in there with Gagey, um, you know, almost, you know, almost killed Tony. 
So I don't know. Um, two two thirty just seems crazy to me. Like I feel like this is a, about a pick 'em fight. That's just where I'm at. Like, do you, do we really think that Chandler can go out there and just get? This line is saying that this that this fight's not close. That doesn't make any sense to me. So I, I like Chandler. I, I the one the line is getting me, but two, I think Chandler actually stands a really good chance to be able to hang in there with Poirier. Like, if you can hang in there with Gaethje the way that Chandler hung in there with Gaethje, I don't know what you think, Gene, but, I mean, that was an absolute brawl. Like, there should be no reason why Chandler can't go ahead and withstand, um, you know, some of the some of the power that Poirier could put out there. And don't forget what Chandler almost did. Like, he could have almost beat Gaethje. He could have almost beat Oliveira. You know, he beat Tony. He beat Hooker. Like, he could, he could, also, he, he could be the champion right now with four straight wins. I can't say that about Poirier. I mean, he hasn't really fought, you know, anybody outside of Connor and Hooker, you know, outside of, you know, going up against Oliver and getting beat. So I, I feel like this is a wrong guy favored, but at, at, at best, I think this is a pick em fight. I'll take Chandler. Give me all that plus money. I think he upsets here. I think he shows everybody, you know, why he was in these big fights. I think he gets the job done. That's where I'm at. Not sure how you feel about this fight there, Gene, but that's where I'm at. Yeah, so um, can't wait for this fight. You know, obviously this has fight of the night written all over. Both these guys like to stand in the middle and, and trade. Um, Michael Chandler is just explosive. I mean, he's one of the, the best athletes in all of MMA. The guy's just explosive, a, a physical specimen. And then, you know, Dustin Poirier, you know, uh, just solid all, all around. Solid grappling. Um Submission artist, um, good counter puncher. Um, so yeah, in this matchup, I'm cool with the line. Could the, the line could be you know maybe minus one eighty. You know I do think it might be slightly too wide, but I, I do think the right man's favored for sure. I I think you know Chandler Chandler's definitely got a chance early early in this fight, you know, and that's what historically that's how he's fought. You know, the first round is his round. So Poirier has to survive the first round. If he tries to get into a firefight with them, he could be knocked out. I mean, Chandler at any point could put your lights out, um, you know, early second round as well too. You know, I'll give him maybe the early second round, but after that, he, he definitely fades for whatever reason. Um, and Poirier is just, you know, he's a machine. He's going to keep moving forward. The other thing for me, just stylistically is, is just, you know, Poirier being a Southpaw fighter. You know, I think that's going to be a tough look for, for Chandler here. Um, wrestling. I, I just, you know, Chandler's not going to try to wrestle. I, I just don't see at this point in his career, you know, he's just making his money, putting on spectacular fights. Uh, if you want to wrestle, you know, does he have an advantage there? Yes, he does have an advantage, but I, I just don't see it. He hasn't been doing it. And is, you know, I mean, for like two, three years. I mean, the guy, all he's doing is striking and standing on the feet. So, um, but yeah, just skill-wise, I, I do favor Poirier here. I just think he's the tougher fighter. You know, Michael Chandler's chin has been checked numerous times. Uh, I think Poirier can definitely check his, his chin. Poirier, too, you know, if Chandler wants to try to wrestle or whatever, Poirier has a great, uh, guillotine he's known for for his guillotine he almost got Khabib out of there Khabib said you know it was tight but I'm not tapping in front of my father you know when he when he had that title fight in Abu Dhabi so um you know Poirier's got is legit with with that guillotine and, and some of his submissions so yeah I, I like 
I don't know. I, I like Poirier. When I saw this matchup, it was just kind of, yeah, it was, I already knew who I was going to pick. I'm not going to bet it, though. The line, for, for the reasons that you said, the line is just, it's too big. I think Chandler's too dangerous. He's shown it. You know, he he could be the champion. You already, you spoke on it. You know, he he knocked Oliveira down and Oliveira somehow survived that, that first round. I, I don't know how he did. Um, and the ref honestly could have called that fight. If you go back and watch that, like, you know, some other refs, they they would have called that fight for, for Chandler and because Oliveira was taking crazy damage. So um, I don't fault you for taking Chandler. That's why I'm staying away from it. I, you know, I, I think skill for skill, it's like 100% I feel Poirier wins. But because Chandler is so explosive, has that knockout power, I'm staying away. I think the, the angle to take on this, I haven't looked at the line, so I don't know what it is. But to take the under, I think it's – I'm assuming it's two and a half is the, is the under, um, over under. I would look towards the under. I don't know what the, you know, what, what the line is on that, but that's what I would look for. I think it's going to be all violence. I think, I think someone gets finished here. All right, Gene. Well, that one should be interesting. Certainly has maybe fight of the night written all over it. Uh, let's jump up to our next here. Let's talk about Carla Esparza. Uh, she's taking on Zhang Wee Lee. This one is – Another fight, Gene, that I did just do not agree with the line. Like, I get it, all right? We, we messed with Zhang Weili a couple times against Rose. Didn't work out for us. Okay, cool. You know, that's that's water under the bridge. But for her to be minus 340 against Carla Esparza, it just seems crazy to me. Carla Esparza hasn't lost, you know, in what, like six, seven fights or something like that? Like, she's beaten the top of the food chain. You know, she beat Grasso, Watterson, Rodriguez, Namajunas. I don't see a loss in there anywhere, Gene. But for Zhang Weili, I do. Back-to-back losses against Rose. Uh, we know that. And then before Rose and after Rose, it was Joanna. So, I mean, where do we even put Joanna right now? I mean, is she even is she even top 10 in the division? So I don't I don't know. Like, I don't know. So I worry. I felt like we were trying to hit Zhang Weili, like, right at her peak. And... I still think that there's a, a possibility, Gene, that that she could be really overrated and that she actually might end up looking like uh, somebody like a Dan Hooker where you fight the top talent and you just can't seem to get it done and then you maybe just slowly fizzle away. But for this line to be like this, this is just insane. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like Carla Espars is tough. She's not just going to go out there and get punched in the face and back down. Like that's not her. That's not the way she rolls. Like, she'll go out there and she'll fight with anybody, stand, trade, go on the ground, whatever you want her to do, she'll do it. And I think there's a reason why she's here and why she has the title. So I think that the, that the line's wrong. Zhang Weili, to me, awesome fighter. You know, she can go out there and, and throw some bombs and maybe catch Carla or just beat her just strictly on points. I think that that's a possibility, too. So I'm not necessarily just buying Carla Esparza just because she's on a nice win streak and beating all the, all the you know, people in this division. But I have to buy the line because I don't agree with it. I don't believe Zhang Weili should be anywhere near minus 300. I think this maybe should be somewhere around minus 130, 140. So give me all those, uh, give me all that change there on Carla Esparza. That's where I'm at, Gene. I think she's certainly live to go ahead and win. Um, she's just so hot right now. So that's where I fall with that fight. How about you? All right. So, yeah, this one, I, I definitely have a lot to say about it. And, uh, yeah, we're definitely on opposite sides here. Um not to rehash old things with, with the last fight, but, you know, like I said, I, I was on Poirier. I do think skill for skill, but I understand why someone would take uh, Chandler there. 
Um, and this one, I just, yeah, I, I just think Zhang Wei Li is just on another level, to be honest with you. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of things that kind of go into the reason why I, I, I feel that way. You know, Carla Esparza, I don't know what's up with Rose, you know, she's, she's had this mental issue her whole career. I don't know what happened that last fight. That fight was absolutely trash. One of the worst fights ever in UFC history goes up there with the Derek Lewis and Nagano fight. Um, I don't know what happened there. It's, but looking at it, I'll get into the actual fight in this stylistics, but the thing that's kind of crazy, if you look at how this had come full circle, you have Shane Wei Lee, you know, the UFC's pushing her. She has her fight in, in China. She knocks out Andrade, wins the title in front of her home fans. It was spectacular. If you get a chance, go back and watch it. You know, I woke up at 6 a.m. or maybe 5 a.m. to watch that fight. It, it was it was well worth me waking up super early to watch that thing. Um, she wins it, and then she fights Rose. You know, not right after that, but I'm just saying she fights Rose and loses twice. The second fight was super close. Like, that fifth round was the reason why she lost, and the takedown by Rose is why she lost. Um, but you saw that she was getting better. And – before that second fight, she made the move to fight ready, which is Henry Cejudo. And they're like one of the top camps, like legitimately, like arguably number one camp in MMA right now. And you've seen that Zhang Wei Li is just like really rededicated herself to the sport and to getting her title back. And it's crazy that she lost twice to Rose. So she was not going to get that trilogy fight. And then Rose goes in there against Carlos Carlos Esparza, which was like a layup. Everyone had Rose and she loses. And what does that do? Open the door for Zhang Wei Li to come through the back door and to get her title back and be, you know, two-time champion. And then, yeah, it, it's it's kind of crazy if you look at it like that. I'm a big Zhang, uh, Zhang Wei Li f- uh, fan, I have to say it off top. Um, so maybe I'm a little bit biased here, but I just, you know, the Carlos Sparza, she's a good wrestler. And, and, and quickly, let me, quickly, let me say, a lot of guys took, or a lot of people took Carla Esparza against Rose, and man, they hit. Congratulations to you! But I feel like taking Carla in this fight is just—I I wouldn't do it. Zhang Wei Li has continued to get better. She's stronger than Carla Esparza, way more powerful of a fighter, a better, way better striker on the uh, on the feet. There's just no question. Um, Michael Jordan to me playing basketball type of striking on the feet. Um, and Carlos Sparza only really has one path, and that's to take Zhang Weili down and try to smother her. And did Rose do that in their second fight in the fifth round? Yes. But throughout that fight, when she did take Zhang Weili down, like she did a good job of getting back up, switching positions. Zhang Weili would get on top. Like she she's a capable grappler, and she's with fight ready, which is like the number that's who you want to be with if 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 you want to grapple and wrestle, which with Henry Cejudo. So yeah, I just Man, Rose, she just impresses me. I feel like she's been getting getting better every fight. Even that Rose fight that she lost, I felt like she got better. Um, she just lost that second half of that fifth round. That was it. You know, it was 2-2 going to that fifth round. Um, and uh, on the feed, just Carla Sparza is just, it's amateur hour. And Wei Li has ridiculous power. She's way stronger, too. I just don't feel like Carla Sparza is going to be able to take her down. Like, even if she gets in on her, I think Wei Li will be able to just shuck her off and uh, keep the fight standing. And I wouldn't be surprised if Zhang Wei Li gets takedowns herself. Um, you know, she she's live for a submission. Like, I just, 
overall, I just feel like she's the better mixed martial artist here. I feel like Zhang Wei Li, like that door in in her eyes, in that fifth round when she was getting smothered by Rose, that door closed. Like, am I ever going to be champion again? And that door opened right back up when when Rose lost to Carla. So I, I don't think she's gonna. I don't think she's gonna squander this opportunity. I think she's gonna run right through Carla. I like Zhang Wei Li. I like her in a parlay, and I like her um, to win by finish. Like on DraftKings, they had her plus one hundred just to win by finish. I, I love that bet. Um, yeah, I got Zhang Wei Li all, all day in this fight. All right. I'm not surprised. So we're at it again there, Gene. We're on opposite sides of everything. I think what you said, it, it I don't want to say it doesn't make sense, but I think it actually applies to Esparza, where you said that Zhang Weili is just on another level. If she was on another level, I think her resume would look exactly like Carla Esparza's does. And I don't think she'll have problems taking her down. I mean, she took Marina Rodriguez down. She's, she's taken a lot of these fighters down. I think the one thing that worries me with Zhang Weili, and if you go through and you watch, you know, some of the Rose fights, she started to get a little gassed out there. I mean, there were times where she looked a little a little out of gas. And one thing about Asparza is she'll go deep. Like, look how many rounds that she's gone. Like, you know, three-round fights, five-round fights. She'll go the distance with anybody. And I think if, if she can go ahead and avoid maybe being knocked out and maybe, you know, drag this into deeper waters because that's the only real fight that, that she knows is, like, let's – Let's get to a decision. Let's get this in the deep water. Then I then I do worry about Zhang Weili a little bit in that regard. But honestly, I think that that the resume right now that Carla Esparza has is kind of you know what you're what you're saying that Zhang Weili has, but we don't see it. There's two losses, you know, with the uh, capped off by you know wins over Joanna. So I don't know. I don't see it, um, and it wouldn't surprise me if Zhang Weili won this fight at all, Gene. Like that would not surprise me. I think we know how good she is. But the line is what's getting me. Like I just don't get minus three thirty. So that's why I'm that's why I'm on the opposite side of you. Let's see if we'll agree on one fight here today, there, Gene. I think we may in the next. Um, so we got our title fight. This one should be a pretty good one here. Uh, we got Israel Adesanya gonna go up against Alex Pereira. Current line in this fight right now minus two twenty in favor of the champion Adesanya. Curious how you see this one, Gene. Are we gonna see an upset? Are we going to see Izzy go ahead and remain champion? All right. So, um, obviously, awesome fight. Uh, I'll start off with, with the history. These two fought in kickboxing, as most of the listeners probably already know, with all the media hype. You know, Alex Pajeda had has finished or has beaten Adesanya two times in kickboxing. The first time they fought was a controversial decision. If you go back and watch that, it's really just what do you like as a judge? Do you like the power? Do you like the power, the more impactful shots, or do you like the more volume? And, uh, you know, Adesanya just had more volume, was landing better strikes, but Pajeda was, you know, had more power and maybe, I wouldn't say more damaging shots per se, but just had more power, you know, more impactful shots. And the judges gave it to um, to uh, to Pajeda. And, and in that fight as well, um, you know, in that fight, Adesanya was moving forward. You know, he's being very aggressive and 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 landing a lot of shots on on Pajeda, and he ends up losing. Then the second fight they had, uh, Adesanya actually was rocked Pajeda. Um, he he had a standing eight count. He ends up coming. You know, he ends up surviving it, 
he comes back in the next round and he knocks Adesanya out. So um, Pajeda's up 2-0 in this fight. You know, there's a lot of hype going into into this. And, um, you know, we know Adesanya. You know, Adesanya in MMA, the guy, is he's on the trajectory of, of being the greatest middleweight uh, champion of all time, potentially one of the greatest fighters of all time. He's a very cerebral fighter. He, he's hard to figure out. And their game plan-wise, his opponents really have issues trying to land strikes on him. Uh, at times, he's been called a, a boring fighter, but that's because he's so cerebral. If, 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 if I could compare him to anyone, I would say GSP at the end of his career. You know, GSP early on was spectacular. And then once he got that title, got the money, got the fame, and knew his position in the company, you know, he didn't want to jeopardize that. So he started fighting uh, smart, you know, uh, smarter and um, not putting himself into compromising positions. And, and that's what Adesanya is doing now. And, um, but, you know, he's, he has a fighter that's going to bring it to him. You know, Alex Pajeda, is, is, he's going to come forward. And um, unfortunately for Alex Pajeda, that's when Adesanya finishes his fighters. If you go back and look, you have Robert Whitaker in their first fight. Robert Whitaker going through a lot of stuff in, in his life, in his personal life, was like, I just want to get this fight over quickly. Came forward, damn near got knocked down in the first round. The bell saved him. And then came on the second round, aggressive again, and got knocked out by Adesanya. Paula Costa, same example. Paula Costa, you know, super aggressive, coming forward, trying to land big shots. Adesanya finishes him, knocks him out. Um, and if if you go back and look at Adesanya's career, especially in the UFC, if if his opponent pushes the pace, wants to be aggressive, you know, wants to try to knock him out, he ends up knocking them out because he's a he's an incredible counter striker. If his fighter wants to be you know more cerebral, wants to be more patient, wants to you know point fight. Adesanya just—he's—he's he's not going to put himself in a position where he's going to get hit. He's just going to okay. You want a point fight? I'm going to point fight. He did that with with Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva at the end of his career was like Anderson Silva should be knocked out here because Anderson Silva was just point fighting. Adesanya is like I'm not going to I'm not risking anything. I'll just point fight with you. I won't knock you out. So um, just so we know the dichotomy of of, of Adesanya's fight style. So with Pajeda. The guy has ridiculous knockout power, um, and that's pretty much it. He really doesn't have anything else. I mean, should he be here? He's only got, you know, like four four or five fights in the UFC. Um, two, three. Yeah, he's got he's, – he has uh, four fights. Yeah, pardon me, three fights in the UFC. Um, and over – beat no one except for Sean Strickland in his last fight. The UFC – was pushing for this fight. Adesanya has run through the division. There's no one really else for him to fight. Pajeda, there's a storyline behind it, as you see this week. A lot of people are hyped up about it. As you see with the line, the line was at like minus 160 for a while. It dropped down to like 150. Now it, it finally got steamed up to minus 200. So you you see the UFC's done a good job of hyping up this fight. Um, so I just think these guys are on on different levels again it's almost like the Zhang Wei Li fight um just not as you know Pajeda is obviously more dangerous and, and has more of a, a shot to win in my personal opinion versus the Carlos Sparza aspect of it but um yeah Pajeda he, what he looks to do is just he has heavy leg kicks he's a kickboxer heavy leg kicks but he has a ridiculous left hook left hook especially his counter um you don't want to move back 
you know, you don't want to walk back backwards with your chin up in the air, which is what Adesanya did when he got knocked out. And that's what Adesanya does in general. So Adesanya, if, you know, he cannot, Adesanya cannot fight the way he fought against Cannonier. He cannot fight the way he fought against Yoel Romero, where he's just like, I'm going to point fight. This guy's dangerous. I don't want to put myself in, in, in a dangerous position. Like, you can't do that against Alex Pajeda because Alex Pajeda is going to, is going to come forward and go back and watch all of Adesanya's fights. Like when 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 someone's pressuring him, yes, obviously, like I said, he does a good job of point fighting, but he always like circles out with his just chin up in the air. And that's how Alex Pajeda knocked him out in that second fight. And I'll tell you right now, if he does it in this in this fight, he's gonna get knocked out. Like this dude has legit dynamite in his hands. Um, but in saying that. Adesanya's already fought fighters like him. Paulo uh, Costa, ridiculous power in his hands. Yoel Romero, ridiculous power in his hands. Uh, Jared Cannonier in his last fight, ridiculous power in his hands. So like, it's not like he hasn't faced someone with, with crazy power. And it's not like he hasn't faced someone with crazy power and finished them. So um, I know I'm long-winded here. Obviously, it's the main event, so I really want to get in depth here. Um, I just, I, I got Adesanya here. Um, I felt like, I would just say wait on the line. If you like Adesanya, wait in the line at this point. You know, we're doing the podcast a couple days before. I'm not going to, you know, post bet anything. But I'll just say, you know, when the line was at minus 150, 160, 170, that's max bet all day. I mean, Adesanya is consistently minus 250, 300, 400 in his fight. So to get Adesanya at under 200 is like, that's max bet all day. Um, Right now, I think he's at like minus 190 and minus 200. I still like him at that number. It's pretty much just survive the KO. That's it. As long as you don't get knocked out, you're good to go. You're going to style on this guy. Like he, he's the, it's, it's, they're, they're not even the same class. I mean, you have, I'll just break down kickboxing. I don't know what size their gloves are. I'm assuming they're 16 ounces. You got four ounces here in, in, in MMA. You're thinking like, well, that's more power for Pajeda. It's like, no, but that's more power for Adesanya as well. Like if you go back and watch that first fight in kickboxing, if they had four ounce gloves, Adesanya was knocking out Pajeda. Like, I mean, it, he was just piecing him up. Um, the other thing, the standing eight count where Adesanya almost had him knocked out. The ref came in and gave a standing eight count. That's MMA. Dude's getting knocked out. There's no ref coming in to save you. The cage as well. It's a bigger cage than than the ring. Um, so Adesanya has more room to move. It's just there's just so many factors that go into why I like Adesanya here. Um, I already I, I parlayed Adesanya and Zhang Wei Li, and it was like minus one ten is what I got on DraftKings. I don't know if the lines have gone up or whatever it is. This was yesterday, so um, but it was minus one ten for those two. Um yeah, I got Adesanya all day here. Um, I don't fault anyone sprinkling on Adesanya to win by by um, by finish as well. Um, Pajeda is terrible on the ground. He he does he he's not good wrestling wise. So if Adesanya wanted to try to wrestle with him, I don't see him doing that. I think it's stupid. But if he wanted to try to do that, he could do that. But yeah, I, I'm long winded here, man. Super passionate about this fight. Uh, I love this matchup. Um, I feel like th- I feel like this is the type of matchup that could Adesanya is already already a star, but I feel like if he finishes Pajeda here, which he has a very good chance of doing that as long as he's aggressive, um, I-, I think this is the fight that can kind of propel him to 
to be even bigger, a bigger star in the UFC than he is right now. So I got Adesanya here. Love him to parlay. And I don't fault anyone for taking him to finish. I didn't do it yet, but, but yeah, I, I got Adesanya here. All right. Well, you said a lot there, Gene, and it's funny because, um, you know, we disagreed what on like the last two podcasts. And for this fight, I agree with you. I felt like you actually took my notes and stole them. You made some really good points, not just because, you know, they were some of my ideas as well, but I think one of the one of the real key points that you made there, Gene, is that this isn't in a ring. They don't have 16-ounce gloves. It's a completely different sport. Like, in reality, it's a completely different sport. Think about, I don't know, take golf, for example. Take somebody like Bryson DeChambeau. You put him in a long drive competition. He's not going to outdrive some of those guys who were doing that every single day. Like, he, he tried it. Didn't work out. But you put those guys on the golf course with Bryson DeChambeau, it's not even close. So it's just two totally different sports. It's two totally different, um, you know, it's different different equipment, things like that. Here's what I think, Gene. I think you, you mentioned this before, too, and I think that this actually makes a lot of sense. Like, So Izzy's minus 220. I think you have to bet him now because, let's be honest, Gene, there's people outside who like the UFC and maybe have, you know, maybe they, they only watch the main event. They have no clue who this guy is. He's only got three fights. Like, yeah, oh, hey, there's this, you know, uh, you know, this, this trilogy fight between these two. And no, they were, you know, fighting each other in kickboxing. But how many people realistically actually know who Alex Bahada is? I, I would say maybe half of the USC fans. I mean, you have to be guys like us, you know, that do this or, or people who are, you know, diehards that watch all the fight nights, stuff like that. Like, yeah, they probably know who this guy is. But there's going to be a lot of people that don't. Especially, you know, any of the public bettors are not going to have any clue who this guy is. They are not betting him. They're betting Izzy. So this line probably goes up to, like, Izzy minus 270. Not sure if you agree with that, Gene, but that, that's that's the only thing I can come up with. Like, I don't think there's going to be sharp guys saying, oh, yeah, let's get this guy who's only had three fights against a guy who's well-seasoned that's defending his title again. You know, has been in there with the best punchers in there. You mentioned Costa. You mentioned Whitaker, Cannoneer. You know, the only guy you didn't mention was probably the biggest puncher was Jan Blachowicz, who didn't get a hold of Izzy. So he's been in there with power guys, and I get it. Like, you know, Pajeda can go in there and, you know, do what he did to, to Sean Strickland, which he just checked him with a left and knocked him right out. So you never know about that. But I, I'm with you. I think that this is two totally different classes, and you're going to see a guy that maybe looks like he's out of water here because Sean Strickland did not even push this guy. He he, he just came forward and let his guard down and got and got jacked, and that was it. But Izzy's going to throw the kitchen sink at him. It's not going to be easy to hit. He's not going to stand there right in front of him, you know, standing flat foot to let him punch him in the face. It's not going to happen. I think Izzy could use his ground game if he needs to. Uh, I think he can get actually use a lot of the clinch. Uh, you're going to see Izzy do a lot of kicks. And as you mentioned, the boxing gloves aren't there. You know, he can he could say, you know what, I'm just going to piece this guy up and just stay out of his range and uh, maybe even drag him into deep waters because with a guy who, you know, hasn't been in the sport that long, you know, who only has three fights under his belt, Izzy's gone five rounds in the last four fights. Like, this dude knows what it's like to be in deep water. And I don't think Pajeda does. So um, this is one, Gene, where I feel that the line is a little bit short, and I think that it's going to close maybe around the, the correct line, which I think is probably somewhere around Izzy, like, minus 270. I'm not sure if you agree with that, Gene, but would you agree that I don't think anybody's betting Alex Pajeda here Unless it's like his family members or a bunch of Brazilians, but 
all the money has to come in here on Izzy, right? Yeah, no, you're you're right, and I and I I did say in in my breakdown, my long soliloquy, I did say you know wait on Izzy, and the only reason why I said wait on Izzy was in a sense of it, do I see this this line ballooning to minus two seventy two you know whatever, but I you know after hearing you break it down, I, you know you you kind of swayed me a little bit. I do think you, I guess well I was looking from the perspective of the one fifties and the one sixties and one seventies, like damn you know I, I I'm hoping that it kind of goes back that way. But, you know, obviously uh, I think I, not even I think I, you're a hundred percent right. I do think all the, we've seen it. It was li- literally on Monday, Tuesday, you could get Izzy at minus 160, 170. And the next day, so I said Monday, Tuesday, so Wednesday, Thursday, it was already up to minus 200. And then you're saying it's 220. You know, I haven't, I haven't seen it today or uh, later in the day. So the, the line's getting steamed. I mean, from 160, 170 up to two tw- minus 220. Um, so, yeah, you you know, you're listening to this. J- just jump on Izzy now. You know, I, I would I'll just say that, you know, I misspoke or whatever earlier. I was just – I was saying that more in the sense of, like, I'm hoping that the line goes back towards the, the other way. You know, people see the highlights of the kickboxing and Izzy getting knocked out. But, no, you're right. I mean, everyone – has been on Izzy this week, and they're going to continue to be to be on Izzy. So yeah, jump on them now. And I do think parlay wise, like man, it's like a guarantee in in that in that sense. I mean, the guy is rarely. I'm trying to think of like the last fight where he was. I mean, even the maybe he was at the Cannoneer. I think maybe he was like minus two fifty. Maybe I'm not hundred percent sure, but I just yeah, the, the the class, man, these guys are just, like you said, like I said, they're just at different levels, man. This dude only has three fights in the UFC. And I'll just quickly, let me just throw out this, like, kind of funny, you know, MMA math, six degrees, you know, Kevin Bacon. And so he he fought Bruno Silva, and Bruno Silva, and Bruno Silva is, like, a big power puncher, ridiculous power. And he went to a decision against Bruno Silva. Bruno Silva, like, was, it was a close fight even though it was unanimous in the end, like Bruno Silva clearly won one round and there was a couple, the other round was really close. They go to unanimous decision. Then Bruno Silva ends up fighting um, Gerald Mearshart. Gerald Mearshart is like only grappling, only submissions, like no power on the feet. He ends up knocking Bruno Silva out. And so like Bruno Silva gets knocked out by Gerald Mearshart, which is like, this guy shouldn't be knocking him out. And, but he fights, Alex Pajeda for three rounds and doesn't get knocked out. So it's like, it's just, I know it's MMA math and it's, you know, you don't want to, you know, rest on any of that stuff, but it's just, it's crazy how that MMA works in that sense. So all I'm saying is like, I just, yes, this guy has crazy power, but man, you said it perfectly. Like Blahovich, I did not bring that up. Like he fought Blahovich, a 205er with who's known he has Polish power that's that's the phrase that's always used with Blahovich and Alessane was able to survive that as well. It's like you know, Paula Costa, Joel Romero, Cannoneer, like go through the list. I mean, this guy has fought guys that are have ridiculous power. So Alex Pajeda is even though he has that death touch, um, he's not he's not in some some outer realm where Adesanya is like, Oh my gosh, if he gets touched one time, I mean, Adesanya can survive even even a shot from from Pajeda here. So um, I think we're, I think we're in agreement here. I, I think uh, if you want Adesanya, you know, jump on him now for sure. And I, I love him in the parlay, you know, find, find the other fighter you like 
um, def, definitely uh, put him in a parlay. I think the reason why you want to bet Izzy now there, Dean, is because of all the things that we discussed. But I think that this gives me a little bit of an opportunity to kind of teach people about, you know, betting in the UFC. And this is something that you can take across any sport. So let's just take UFC as a starter. We always hear Dana say, what does he say, Gene? I don't make fights on fight night. But sometimes it does happen. Like somebody will say, you know, Dana, hey, does this make sense? He's going to go, yeah, that, 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 that fight makes the most sense. There's a line being dropped immediately. And let's not forget what we last saw. We just saw maybe within a, the last half hour, some dude just get knocked out by the guy that they're talking about sticking in the ring with, with the champion. But the champion hasn't fought in so long. So the public perception of, of the guy that's the champion that hasn't fought in a while, maybe it's been two months, three months, they forget what they last seen. Like, they don't even remember. Like, they, they you know, there's multiple pay-per-views, fight nights. So that guy is, you know, he's, he's the furthest thing from their mind. And what they remember is they remember what just happened. Now, when you look at, like, the NFL or, or the NBA, those lines are going to come out at a certain specific time. But the one thing that I think that you want to try to attack here and it's harder to do it in boxing, it used to be a little bit easier, is when fights get made very quick. This fight was made very quick, Gene. You know that. Like I said, it comes down to like where, where you know, when, when Dana says, look, I don't make fights on fight night, but this makes the most sense or that fight's going to happen, that's basically like making the fight in a very, very quick manner. Even though the contract's not signed, these guys are going to sign, they're going to sign up, right? So that's when you want to really attack favorites especially if they haven't fought in a while and the guy that just won that they're going to make this fight with is going to be the underdog. That is something that everybody on this podcast should probably learn. And it does happen in boxing as well, but we know how boxing is. I mean, we were supposed to see Errol Spence and Bud Crawford fight. That's not going to happen because of contract stuff. The UFC, they get things done correctly. So just take that, put that in your back pocket the next time you see a guy who's going to be a dog against the challenge, against the title guy and the fight seems like it's going to be made very quickly and you like the champion, hurry up and bet him because the line's only going to run away from you. And this is even a better case because there's a guy who, honestly, a lot of people probably don't know. So anyway, Gene, I'm with you. Um, just a little, you know, betting 101 there. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to take Izzy to go ahead and get the job done. Now, Gene, you had a couple – fights that you want to talk quickly about for the prelim, some best bet stuff. Now, I know you're going to put your whole full article out on the bettingpredators.com so everybody could see all the fights for the entire day, but you have a couple of prelim stuff that you want to go ahead and give out. What do you got? Yes, just super quick. Um, I'll, I'll do three. Uh, Aaron Blanch, uh, Blanchfield versus Molly McCann. Surprise Molly McCann. You know, she's bar, um, sponsored by Barstool. She's had some spectacular knockouts past two fights. I'm surprised the UFC has given her Aaron Blanchfield. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe she asked for it. Aaron Blanchfield is incredible grappler. It's a big line, but I do think she ends up getting it done there against Molly McCann. Um, you know, Molly McCann is just not good on the ground. But who knows? You know, she might have picked this fight and feels like she saw something that she can exploit in the in Blanchfield. But Blanchfield's not a bad parlay piece. Uh, Dominic Reyes versus Ryan Spann. Like I, I love Dominic Reyes here. I, I've been fading him. In his past few fights since since John Jones, he felt like he won that fight, and that's all he's been talking about. And I feel like it got into his head, and he 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 went on a skid after that. But um, he he's changed camps, uh, and Ryan Span just you know Ryan Span has has a questionable chin. 
Dominic Reyes, even in his last loss against Yuri Prohashka, who is the champion now, um, he looked good against him until he got knocked out. So I, I really, I almost want to put him into a parlay as well. I think he's like minus 200 and minus 230, something like that. I, I really like Dom Reyes here. I mean, it's literally, if he loses his fight, he potentially could be out of the UFC. It's going to be like three or four in a row for him. And um, he just hasn't looked good. So uh, outside of that, you know, a couple, whatever, a few minutes with Prohashka. So um, I like Dom Reyes there. And then the the headliner of the prelims, Mokan, uh, Hanato Moicano versus Brad Riddell. Absolutely love this fight. Um, I love the value. I, I actually took Brad Riddell as plus 100. It's arguably, you know, my favorite bet on, on the card. I just, you know, Moicano is, he's kind of fallen into into the striking realm. You know, he, he's an incredible Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner, but he, he's, he just, he loves to strike. He, he doesn't want to get into that realm. If the fight goes that goes to the ground, he'll, he'll cinch up a, a rear naked choke or whatever it is. Brad Riddell just got submitted in his last fight. So you, you're a little bit worried, but on the feet, I just, Brad Riddell is just levels above Moicano. I, I feel like, you know, he's going to get in close going to land the counter sh- counter shots. And Moicano's had uh, que- questions with his chin. So um, I just, I love the value there. I, I just think, you know, I think it's a recency bias. You know, Moicano, he did lose his last fight, but he took a short notice. Um, Brad Riddell got submitted. He's finding a guy that can submit um, submit fighters. But R- Brad Riddell's legit, man, on the feet. He's, he's got good, good striking, good boxing. So I, I love that bet. He was plus 100 like a day ago. So uh, I'm assuming he's still an underdog. Um, but yeah, that, those are the, uh, prelims I just wanted to cover real quick. All right. Well, good stuff there, Gene. Those will be interesting. Really good card. Uh, I think after, you know, what we saw in the last at 180, um, this one hopefully will do some justice. Hopefully we'll end up pulling out some winners here. Uh, Gene, that we are against each other again, quite a bit on this card. So we'll see who has bragging rights once again, but, uh, I'm sure you and I are going to end up with one of those cards where we just agree on everything and we generally do good with those too. So. Uh, I'll be texting you, I'm sure. We'll be talking about this one, uh, obviously, but you guys know where to find me and Gene uh, on Twitter. You guys can get me at sleepyj underscore pregame, and you can get Gene at meangene0022. You guys could always get us at thebettingpredators.com and on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck for UFC 281. Enjoy the fights.